The next thought to me was, this is how you've learned to recognize the spirit. You get impressions, you follow, and then you look and try to learn to discern that. Hello, my name's Blair Murphy, and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service, and life experiences. This week, I'm speaking to Rochelle Catalini, who shares some experiences from her life. I hope you enjoy it. Great. Well, thanks for catching up with me this evening, Rochelle. Um, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. How are you? Very well. I'm getting warmer now this weather is picking up. Well, this evening I wanted to spend some time with you and learn a little something about your life and your testimony and I guess your faith. So I guess the relevant place to start is your childhood. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the home you grew up in and and what that experience was like? Okay. Well, I I had an awesome childhood, I think. I've always been very grateful. I always think of Nephi when he talks about being born of goodly parents. I very much relate to that in a good family. Um, I am number six child out of seven and I have six brothers and one of them is my twin and he's the slightly older one. And um, both my parents were converted to the church with their families when they were sort of teens or my mother was about probably I think it was about nine when they encountered the missionaries in their hometown. Mm-hmm. And so that's the upbringing that I had. My mother's parents lived with us when I was young. And then my mother is the only child alive. There was She only had one sibling. And then my father has a couple of siblings. So we've always been a fairly close-knit family, I like to think. In growing up in Gospel, so my parents were very much strong testimonies. Um, they both served missions. My aunt served a mission, my grandmother served a mission on my father's side. So that's the kind of atmosphere I guess I was raised in. Now, my parents were actually moved to Queensland just before I was born and um, not having many members around back in those days, sort of the late 70s, 80s, they really were, I think, a close-knit community. So there were always people I knew because of friendships that my parents had in growing up. So you have that social aspect, but it's also that unification in church, I think, where you have those examples. And that, I think, was something I was always around. And it, it does have an impact on you. You see these great examples of these pioneers they really are pioneers and i i think i was very glad to have that and as you reflect on your childhood and teenage years are there particular experiences that you felt like really contributed to your faith and testimony in the in the church i was one of those that i think i've always believed there's certainly times when you have to convert but i can always remember having a testimony and There were a couple of experiences when I was young that I can recall feeling the spirit quite strongly. And then going through the Young Women Program was probably very strong. My mother was stake Young Women's President when the new Personal Progress Program came out. And I remember being so excited. I was probably about nine or 10, but she got one of the books, the new books. And I was so excited. I remember pouring over that when it came and it was sort of a a little special preview that we got. And very much the Young Women's Program helped me to, I guess, solidify that testimony and to gain further experience. And certainly the, the friendships and good peer groups mm. uh, certainly um, contributed to my spirituality. So you have this good experience growing up through young women's. You sound like the dream young woman, excited about <laughs> progress and all this sort of stuff. Um, how did you decide to serve a mission and, and where did you serve? I served in Japan Sapporo Mission 
all my family pretty much served missions. So I think it was always there that I would serve a mission. But when I got my patriarchal blessing, it was mentioned in there. And I think it just brought it to my awareness. So I went, oh, of course. Okay. But interestingly enough, I had a strong experience for me. My nanny, her son actually died on his mission in Hong Kong mm. and he died from polio. And when she heard that I was going to an Asian mission, she was quite concerned. I think all that experience came back for her. When I was actually set apart for my mission, it was a great spiritual experience for me because afterwards she said, I'm okay with you going now. I think she had that concern that something would happen to me. Um, well, your mission was a few years ago now, but um, <laughs> as, you, as you reflect back on it, are there a couple of specific experiences that when you think of your mission, those are the ones mm. you turn to? I think I learned how to recognize the spirit and how to follow the spirit. I remember one time I was street contacting and I remember writing down and I got the impression to stop someone. And so, yeah, oh, that's very distinct. I better do it. Yeah, okay. Nothing happened. I think I gave them an English class pamphlet and then it continued on. And I remember, and I was pondering that and I was thinking, why did I have this strong impression to stop this person and do this? Nothing's eventuated and remotely. And the next thought to me was, you need to learn how to follow the spirit. This, this is how you follow the spirit, that you get impressions, you follow, and that's the way you learn to recognise how it works in your life. It's different, I think, for everyone in different ways, where you can recognise truth or recognise thoughts or and try to learn to discern that. And that was something I remember happening and, and continues to happen throughout my life. And I think that's one skill, a spiritual skill, that we have to have because the spirit is what refines us, guides us. In all ways, it's our communication with Heavenly Father. I... Um, I had a golden week. I called it my golden week. We gave out a Book of Mormon almost every day. We had lessons lined up and it was a great week. It was a happy week that I remember and I got transferred unexpectedly. <laughs> I was gutted. <laughs> I was gutted. Um, I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit hard. <laughs> but it went, you know, that, that's, that's the way things go sometimes. I, I also walked into where an investigator had a baptismal date with that particular investigator. We were doing an extra lesson. She'd already had all the discussions. But she was having um, her baptismal date, I think, was set for the next week. And she was having some concerns. I think it was just that a bit of anxiety or something like that. I remember feeling the impression to share with her that, Sometimes you don't know the path. You only know a little bit in front of you. But as you walk, that, that light will keep going and that you need to step forward with faith because you've received these confirmations that what you're doing is right. And now you need to just keep stepping into the dark a little bit, so to speak, and move forward with faith. And these promises, the Lord has promised you these things. And that really touched her. She, she really understood that concept. And that also was like, oh, that was the spirit speaking to me, maybe to share that with her and, and you get that nice feeling and everything. And, and she was baptized. She, she was beautiful, beautiful. And so you serve uh, a mission in the coldest part of Japan. And then, and <laughs> Frozen then, chosen. <laughs> 22, 23, you come home. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about yep, meeting your husband. How did that go down? 
we actually met online and communicated and did phone calls and this is before Facebook and a few other things. <laughs> so we had a lot of late night or early morning conversations given the time difference. So and went from there. So eventually I went over and met him in Canada, took another trip and I feel I haven't been to Canada, I haven't been to Montreal and I stayed with some female friends of his and um, yeah, went from there. Um, and so he pops the question, did you guys end up living in Canada initially or did you come back yes. to Australia? After I had initially met him, he came to visit my family. My twin was actually coming over for his engagement party. Mm-hmm. And I said, and this was with about a month's notice, I said, look, all my family's going to be here because they're coming from different parts of Australia. It would be really good if you can come and visit and meet them because there's probably not going to be another good opportunity like this. Mm-hmm. And while he was over, that's when he popped the question. And then I was studying at university in my final year. And so we eventually decided that I would go over because I was almost finished my studies here and everything. And so went over and um, got married in, <laughs> we got married in January, 40 degree heat. There was massive fires in Canberra and everything then went back to negative 40 in Canada. So (laughs) it it was quite a change. (laughs) And so we lived there for a couple of years. He was studying, I was working, et cetera. And then we decided to come back to Australia and we thought there would be probably a bit more opportunity and and things like that for us and probably for me to be closer to my family. Mm -hmm. And so we headed back and like two weeks later, I found I was pregnant. So it all sort of worked. And so that's a good segue. Um, Introduce (laughs) us to your family. How many kids have you got? Um, How old are they at the moment? We have three children, two boys and a girl, Uh, a newly aged 15-year-old last week, and then we have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. So Liam, Hiram and Grace. So as you think back on your life, were there particular hard times that as you reflect on you learned particular lessons from or that you thought might be worth sharing with us? I think the biggest one in my younger life um, was when I was just after my 16th birthday, I actually had my second oldest brother, Alistair, died in a car crash. He'd been home from his mission probably about 18 months maybe. And that was quite a shock for our family. I remember that was at home just after come home from school and there was a knock on the door and there were two policemen at the door. I was just went and got my father and sort of didn't know quite what was going on. He was it was on the Gold Coast hinterland and he and a friend were in his friend's car and it was a bit of a I guess freak accident in a way, but they had gone in hinterland roads and had smashed into a, a four wheel drive it is a bit blurry just because of all the emotions that happened there's a lot of shock too I just remember dad started crying and yeah that that was quite a challenging time and especially I think being a teenager um you know it's a it's an emotional time anyway but a very big thing I I remember gaining from that was an awareness of spirit I think at the funeral we had just family was able to view my brother and um, very much realising there's a spiritual part to us and there's a physical part to us. And seeing his body, it was like, this isn't my brother, this this is him, but it's not him. And the months afterwards, I think, was a great spiritual growth for me because I remember in prayers, um, 
just how strong feeling the spirit and that I, I, I guess likening it to sort of a, a thinning of the veil in some ways um, and I would often almost any prayer I would be crying just for feeling strong and it was obviously to do with the death of my brother and everything but I also remember being very strongly affected spiritually mm. and, and and understanding it so I gained a very strong testimony of the resurrection just through some of the things that I observed in that time. You mentioned that it was his friend driving. How did your parents cope with the fact that someone else was behind the wheel? Was there feelings of hurt and blame or anything? Oh, not at all. No, absolutely not. I don't think it even occurred to us, to be honest. I don't recall anything along those lines. His friend wasn't a member of the church. I think it was more how's the other family doing. There was no no blame or anything like that. And I guess as you reflect on your life after getting married, were there experiences related to starting a family, raising a family that stand out to you? I think one of the, the biggest challenges that I've sort of experienced in married life is that after we had Liam, I'd always thought, coming from a larger family, we'll have, you know, several children. And it was when we weren't able to get pregnant again. And so we started exploring why that was. For us, there wasn't anything specific, but it's called secondary infertility. And it's quite common um, that often you can have that first child and, and then have trouble conceiving and getting pregnant again. I didn't expect that kind of a challenge in my life. It wasn't on my plan and <laughs> I hadn't expected it to be. <laughs> and so it had a lot of its own physical and emotional challenges. Um, we, we ended up doing IVF um, several times and there's a whole process and it's quite taxing, especially I think on the woman because you're constantly reminded by the things you have to do. Uh, for example, there's tablets you might take, there's nasal sprays you have to take, there's injections I had to self-administer. And it, it's every day or twice a day, all these different medications that you might have to do to just get ready to be able to go do IVF. And so that can be quite hard emotionally because um, it is that constant reminder of what you're trying to achieve and maybe failing. For me, that was quite a quite a challenge and occasionally had to step back from it because people inadvertently might say oh so you're only having one or you, you don't often know what the reasons are that people aren't walking the standard LDS lifestyle and is trying to be aware it's to be able to accept people where they're at we don't know the challenges people are facing behind closed doors I think and so what, what period of time did that span the whole infertility was about five, seven years. How did you cope with that, the, the setbacks? And, and how, did you, how did you keep hope during that, that period? For me, it wasn't so much a spiritual thing. It was just something that's part of life. It happens to people. I think we will try this if it happens. That's great. If it doesn't, well, that's how it is. So I think for me, even though it's emotionally and physically draining, I don't think it was spiritually challenging for me in that way, mm. um, except for the timeline and, oh, this isn't quite how I thought it would go. And I had a righteous desire, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's still what will happen. So I think for me, the main part was probably prayer in the sense of, just 
communicating that to Heavenly Father. So this is what we desire, help us to keep going through. And um, I think I'm very pragmatic, though, in the sense of we just do everything we can. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's um, something so personal and I appreciate you sort of letting us into that part of your life. As you reflect on your life so far, have there been times where you've seen the Lord's hand or, or his influence in your life? I think particularly in a lot of ways, I see it in, in small ways that I sometimes need to look for it and I sometimes don't recognise until a little bit further along. But I've seen very much the Lord's hand in how we have been blessed in our lives. We've had times of long-term unemployment. We've had times with infertility. We've had times with a few other challenges. But I very much see if we're doing what's the Lord's asking and we're trying to, you know, live that righteous life, that the Lord blesses you. And it's not always in the way that you expect There's been times when I've been working, for example, even just here in Adelaide, at a time when people have been losing employment, I've been able to gain employment. And it's only a couple of minutes up the road. And that has worked well with our family, with the things that we're trying to do. And I've seen that in the blessing of how the Lord knows us and what we can do. And I've seen that at other times in my life, um, when we were moving from Queensland, when, when Gabrielle was working down here in Adelaide. I've very much seen how the Lord knows us and is aware of us and that sometimes we need to make sure we're aware of him and the way that I think he's behind the scenes and guiding things and it's working out for our better, even though it wasn't quite the way we thought it might be. Mm. I think a way that I've particularly noticed um, is when I've, I've had some significant callings in my time and I've very much felt how the Lord has expanded my abilities to be able to handle what's on my plate, so to speak, to be able to cope with being a mother and might be working as well, having this heavy calling. And and I remember one time when I was released from um, a calling, and in fact, (laughs) what the bishop had mentioned to me, he said, I feel like we need to release you. It was quite unexpected. And he said, I feel that you will need this time family. And I remember thinking, uh-oh, what's coming? <laughs> what's coming that I'm going <laughs> to need this? Because it had been fairly full on already <laughs> with, oh. with life. <laughs> and I thought, what, what is it that I have to focus on? <laughs> and literally some things happened in that week with Liam that it went, okay, the Lord knows us, knows what's happening, what we need to be able to do. And we need to be able to put our trust in him You talk about all of the hats that women wear as mother, you know, in your case, also from time to time working and and also carrying callings. I'm interested in in that role as mother. Are there particular times that you felt like the Lord was guiding you with a particular challenge as you were trying to meet the needs of your children? I know I have felt at times when I've been struggling with motherhood or struggling with a child. and, And in the moment, I will be just having this prayer in my heart. And there have been times when I realised, wow, I'm actually handling this well. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't quite lost it. (laughs) And I I say expanded my heart to, to show that greater love, to show that greater patience that's needed in the moment. It doesn't happen (laughs) 
all the time, but I have been able to recognize that where, mm. and I've thought, I think that's the Lord helping me to get through this moment well and to keep our relationship well with the child. Maybe just before we finish, was there anything else mm. that you thought that you'd like to share before we maybe ask you to share your testimony with us? This is probably more my testimony, but I think it's very much that it's personal with the Saviour, that he is aware of us individually. He is aware of us as families and the like, that we are loved. An experience on my mission, which I think I shared when I had a talk, was I had that experience on my mission where I was in a um, basically a discussion. I was sort of role-playing an investigator and the missionary was the missionary. And I remember feeling the love of the saviour that I only knew him as this sort of man, as Jesus, but that he has that love for me and, and has done this for me and seeks me to come to him. And he desires that of everyone. And that was a great impression on me. And I think that's what carries me through, even when there are challenging times and things aren't going to what you feel or you're struggling spiritually, that I know that the Saviour loves me and I know that he's aware of me and I need to come back to him. And I, I can't put that aside, no matter what sort of is going on. And I think that's my great abiding thing. And so you pick yourself up again and keep trying to become that better person. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak to me about your life. It's been wonderful hearing about the experiences that you've had and, and the lessons that you've learned along the way. Thank you for having me and enabling me to recall some of these experiences. It's been good. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Rochelle a little better. She's a great example of someone whose faith and testimony enables her to keep moving forward. That's all I have for you now until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.